who are you? <laughs> oh, okay. Hey. Yeah, I was like, this is Matt. <laughs> um, I'm Matthew Minnick. Um, I am a musician. You can find me on Spotify if you look for Matthew Minnick. You're on all platforms. Well, yeah, I've yeah. I've seen it. All, all the things. I get a lot of iTunes updates where they're like, hey, someone streamed one of your songs from, like, Guadalajara. I'm like, cool. Isn't that cool? I mean, it is, but, like, yeah, but it's also, like... That's it? <laughs> <laughs> they just came across it. Yeah. Oh, skip. I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, it tells you, well, because I think iTunes owns Shazam. So it'll okay. tell me if someone has Shazammed my song, which means they've heard Ooh. it naturally. You know what I mean? Yeah. Which I Did, think is cool. Like once you put music out, does Shazam automatically put you in a database, even if you're not that known? Yeah, well, and that that's, uh, <clears throat> I don't know, you want to dive into music <laughs> industry crap? Yeah, um, I mean, but, you know a lot about it. It's like, it's, well, before that, Matt is a musician, singer-songwriter, right? Uh, that's why he knows so much about music. I don't think we said that. Yeah. Uh, and, and I mean, to to amend that, like, I interned in a studio for, uh, like, a number of years, and then I was doing freelance um, composition and songwriting and production and recording for a um, a company in Dallas for like commercial music. Mm -hmm. So like I was doing pitches for like Comcast and Lacoste and McDonald's and stuff like that. So like I had, I'm not just like a dude with this I sound so cocky. I'm like, I'm, I'm not just like, I'm not like a guy with a guitar, like in his bed. Well, I am now. Cause I prefer that. But like, I, I wasn't a guy with a guitar. I didn't even think I wanted to be as far as music career goes, like take it in like just me in a songwriting capacity. I really wanted to be a producer and I really wanted to be like write songs and help craft sound for people. And I got into that side of the industry first. Mm -hmm. And now I'm sort of like dealing with life and making money and waddling my way through where music fits and like just wanting to write songs because I want to express things mm -hmm. and that's really all i care about yeah uh, so our topic is going to be about songwriting okay. today so we're trying <laughs> to yeah define songwriting uh, and in that we'll probably find different ways of how people kind of embark on that i mean if you think of, oh, okay these are really broad questions okay i know that's a really broad question broad okay. and go down. so that's so why. then i'll then i'm going to zoom way out Okay. What is music? <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, what is music, so, man? I mean, music, I think, if I remember from college, the, the technical definition really is just like, it is sound organized across time. Okay. That's really broad. Yeah. So we could sit here being like... <laughs> and like... It, 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 exactly. It, it doesn't even have to have rhythm. Yes. But we can say we made an arrangement and we organized... Yeah. Our breathing across an hour, five hours, two minutes, 30 seconds, mm -hmm. five seconds, yeah. that is my song. Like, <laughs> yeah. technically we're correct. Yes. But, and, and you know, I think taking that idea, because of course there is avant-garde music and there is mm -hmm. ambient music. And um, I don't know if you hear a lot of musicians, um, I totally... I totally do that. Well, like you've heard the the album I did, mm -hmm. and there are some, what I would I would call them tracks. It's mm. not a song. They're mm -hmm. they're sort of like my five minute tag on the end of a song to where I'm like, let's explore some textures. Yeah. There's no vocals. It, it it's not even 
incredibly musical in that like there's a chord structure but maybe I'll mess with it or maybe I'll just bleed into some like sample stuff to sort of like disintegrate and bring you through a space yeah it's not a song I, I wouldn't call it a song mm -hmm. I am organizing sound across time I would call it a track yeah. I've given you a space we've explored sound together yeah so and the reason I make that differentiation is because when I guess someone tells so what is a song when someone tells me song mm -hmm. I've grown up in the 21st century like you know so like to me a song is what our society has told me a song is which really is grounded in pop music yeah. which could take any form from you know the 20s 30s on yeah of what a song means I took a uh, um, psychology of music class oh. at, um, when I was cool. going to school which was really cool yeah and there were a lot of bit of that of cool books but one of the um, you know to think that science actually turns and studies how people react to pieces of music is really interesting. Mm -hmm. And to me, that shaped a lot of the way I think as far as, I, I think people respond to simple pop music today for the same reason that they respond to a guy and a guitar singing a country song. There's an immediate message and like you said, a feel an emotion and a sensibility and the more stuff you get out of the way to be able to like have your music basically be staring right at a person like it, it the the more successful and accessible of a song it'll be mm -hmm. so you're you're focusing the brain can, can't focus on all of it at the same time yeah. but it does respond to the rest but if you look at song forms from back then um you know like you're you're your song structure might be a two and a half minute, like really catchy. There's not like verse, chorus, verse, you know, like bridge, and then we're gonna slam back into the chorus at the end and have a little yeah, outro. Yeah. It's literally like for like two minutes, and it's just really ha ha, and nothing really changes. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Yeah, because that that and that's kind of the road I want to take people down. So starting that broad, okay, and then going down to what we'll eventually talk about songwriting. Yeah. Uh, but we can fast forward through that because, like you said, there's just a lot of through time. There's music has sounded different and, and it was created differently. Yeah, and in between, and, and you know, like even if you really want to um, throw it back to, you know, if you're talking about classical music and the Bach, Mozart, Beethoven era, yeah. it's like, well, what's a sonata? You know, what's what's this? What's that? Again, would would you call them songs? I don't know. You would call them pieces or something you wouldn't call them a track because we're not tracking anything yeah <laughs> we're not recording it yeah. but like you know like a, a a sonata or something like that would have a specific structure like you don't get to vary this is what it is now you must fill in this exact structure with information mm -hmm. you know and therefore i it would be you know you know it would be uh, like here's the moonlight sonata like boom there it is yeah. that's why it even is called that and then someone would have their own and like this is the blah 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 it's like a very strict formal you know song structure mm -hmm. which uh, we don't have at all but we do follow structures because yeah. because we've kind of cracked the formula of what keeps people's attention and is most effective yeah that's cool so then what would you consider a song like how is a song born how is for a song you born? for me your process could be the same as what your opinion is, or it could be different. For me, it's very deliberate. Typically when I start out to write a song, 
let's put it this way. 90% of my songs start with like me on my back in bed with like an acoustic guitar. Just sort of like strumming along and honestly, typically it starts with like a feel or like a space that I like just playing. Something that feels good that way. And then I'll start humming or singing over it. Um, and then uh, at some point, typically I get out I get out my phone and I record just like the little snippets. To me, I'm like, if it caught my ear enough, then it should be enough to where I can actually turn it into a song. For me, the older I get, the more I'm like, and I know what people respond to is like, if I write something honest and something clear lyrically that I really mean, I sing it better because I mean it. And people can feel that and they can hear sort of in your voice and they connect with it even if it's a little abstract and at the end of the day i i would say at the end of the day it's like matt you can make something sound pretty i'm i'm confident that if you put the time in you'll make something sound pretty but what are you saying because mm -hmm. no one because a lot of people can make something that just sounds pleasant yeah so i'm really sort of like ripping myself away from worrying about the sonics of it and trying to focus on like what are you saying and is that a feeling that starts for you? Is it that it starts with, or is it you have this little melody and it just came out of nowhere? It, or do you sit down and like, this is what I'm gonna work on? It's it's all of the above, hmm. and it can come from any direction. Like I know, like last year, um, just like going through like emotional, some emotional stuff. Like I literally like grabbed a guitar and like went in the other room and was just sitting there like very very like sort of generically like banging out like my emotions on the instrument and like singing and just like letting it sort of all kind of like come and flow out of me and like sometimes there is like i very right intentionally cathartic of like i need to express this um so yeah and, and then whatever the melody in that end up being i'm kind of like i'll let that be what it is naturally i'll kind of like let let the melody and the rhythm and all that come through the emotion. Mm. More often than not though, it's I find something cool on guitar that interests me structurally or sonically, and then I want to put lyrics or a melody to it, and then and then I really think about it's like almost like the music comes first, and then I have to take a step back and think about, well, what is this music making me feel? Mm. And what are all the things I'm feeling right now? So what do I want to then put back into this and say? And, and a song transforms, like, drastically from start to finish. And, like, things mean, or a song has a feel that you never saw it going in that direction by the time you finished from where you started. And sometimes you like it more. You said the process changes itself as it's being made. Like, it's different for everybody. And there's definitely, like, a corporate way to write songs yeah. now. Um, which I kind of want no part of, yeah. unless I'm one of those guys doing it, and you know I put in 30 minutes of work and get like royalties. Yeah. Um, but but I feel like even though like a company does that or music record label, there is a beauty to it though, even as generic as it may be, because not everybody can just do that, you know. Yeah. No. And and I'm not. I res no, no. I, I respect those people, and many of the many of the high-level producers mm. are brilliant musicians and brilliant sonic artists 
and they know exactly what they're doing. Mm -hmm. And that's why a lot of pop music is like, this is, I feel like I've heard the song 10 times before, but man, the song is good, mm -hmm. you know? Um, because they've listened to a lot of music and they listen to good music and, and they know what they're doing mm -hmm. and they're great musicians doing it. And they can come in and they can put something down and perform quickly. Mm -hmm. You know, you spend a, to, to me, it, it, I mean like, music has such a mystique about it because it's not physical, because it's, you know, you hear it and it's gone. It's like, well, where is the song? Mm, what is the song? Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and a recording now gives you sort of like a physical representation of mm. that. But, um, but it's not like a painting to where it's like, you can't hang a song on a wall. Yeah, that's and, true. And look at it and study it. Mm -hmm. And you have to sit down and commit to the experience every time you do. So mm -hmm. you're committing to a, a set of time. It's not easy, but a lot of people do that. Yeah. 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 Some music today, I'm kind of like, well, this is music. I don't, but they, it's popular and it's, they figured out a formula, but there's a difference between a song that is very well made and then that has soul in it. You yeah. Because some songwriters, I don't know if you're, you would say that you feel this way too, but say like their songs are like their babies, right? Mm -hmm. You spend time being with it. And sometimes and, those babies suck. Yeah. <laughs> and that, you know, like, yeah. Yeah. And so, uh, but regardless, you're deciding to go through the whole song and finish it. Right. And then this song is going to determine, you know, am I going to make an album? Am I going to make an EP? Then that gets into being the conduit, flow state, you know, stuff like that is sort of where you're going almost, yeah. which yeah. is, um, you know, which you know, with like exercising even or whatever, yeah. being in that complete consumed focus and flow state yeah. um for me this and th this is like that's the high of it that's why you love it. Mm. it that that is such a like you feel this this sounds dumb but you feel like transcend transcendent and you feel like I've, I've told people and i've told maddie this too you know especially when i like come out of this room and i'm like <laughs> having worked on stuff and i'm like blah, 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 and trying to explain it um <laughs> You feel like there is a song out there or there is an arrangement of sound that is a possibility that exists and you didn't create it, but you stumbled across it and you were the conduit for that. And the better you are as a musician, the more you, your knowledge of, you know, like theory and production and the better you are as a singer and arranger, the more able you are to tap in to whatever that is. You, you are, you are a more worthy conduit. Like that's a, that's a very like sort of like trippy way of looking at it. But the, the conduit moment ones typically come together fast mm -hmm. and I love them because it feels like I didn't make it. So I feel like I'm getting to enjoy someone else's music. Yeah. I'm like not as critical of it. Yeah. And I kind of prefer those. <laughs> yeah. I feel like if people start there, they can understand a lot of different things. Yeah. Right? So like if in terms of songwriting, if someone starts where it's like someone is going through the experience in creating something and you know that that's kind of where they're uh, beginning, you appreciate, whether you like it or not, the process of what ends up resulting to a song, mm -hmm. right? And you may not like that genre or the sounds or the words, but you end up having appreciation for, again, the process of what it takes to having, to take the time to create something. Sure, and I mean, yeah, and you you said something important a second ago of like, and I'm the same way. Of um, I'm not a person that's like, oh, I like all music. I'm like, no, I don't. <laughs> there there are specific things that I categorically am not a fan of. Yeah, ska. 
<laughs> you know, like I would think you would. No, um, like ska, screamo, like th there are things that are not to my taste. Okay. That doesn't mean I can't find redeeming qualities about them. Yeah, and I can, I'm as a musician or as a producer, I can listen to them and be like, oh, it's really interesting what they're doing here, what they're doing there. Yeah, um, and that's important. Yeah, and I mean, I feel like people who create, like, get that, and. Yes. And people who don't, don't. Take a step away from all that. It's just a better way to be as a human. Of yeah, like, learn exactly. to appreciate other people and life yeah. and the little details. That's why, yeah, it's undefined on how you decide to look at uh -huh. things like that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, right? Because you can apply that to everything. Right? Um, yeah. That's why I send you music sometimes. Like, because you're looking at it very analytically. And I know that when I send you a song, you're not like, I don't like this song. You're more like... Oh, I can see how that works. And you would respond saying those things. You'd be like, I like how they did this or something. And you may not really like that song or that artist. Right. And and a lot of it is, um, yeah, you're exactly right. And I like music. So like, mm -hmm. um, and like we've, I've sort of crapped on a lot of like different genres and processes that I feel are problematic, but I, I just like music and like, I can get into anything. Yeah. I can, I can be in Acapulco listening to Banda yeah. And like get into it, yeah. you know, and like enjoy it, yeah. and for for what it is, because it's it's just all fun. And when you, especially when you try to create those things and try to play those things, like try your hand at it, it becomes even more fun. Mm -hmm. It's like instead of watching basketball, you get to play it, yeah. and then you have a whole next level of appreciation for something that I think it's a good way to look at it. Once you try to play a sport, you have a whole level of pre of appreciation for what the people who are good at it are doing. Yeah, and so even crappy music. Yeah. When you when you try to like do it yourself, you have a new level of appreciation. And yeah. sometimes you're like, this is not hard, but it's just fun. Mm -hmm. It's fun to play. Yeah. More fun to play than it is to listen to. Yeah. <laughs> um, back on the songwriting process, how how would you describe the difference between writing by yourself as opposed to writing with a group? Because you've done both, right? Uh huh. Um, that's always been really interesting to me of like seeing how every successful band and you know more like actual bands not like pop artists um how they handle their songwriting um because even if you think of like the beatles it's like john lennon would write a song and then present it to the group mm. or george harrison would write a song and present it to the group and then everybody would sort of like fill in with their parts or you know um and uh but then there are other bands like uh coldplay Chris Martin writes all the music, and those guys, he writes the song. So he will come with an acoustic guitar or a piano and be like, hey, man, here's a song. <laughs> you know, and then, like, they will fill in their parts, which okay. is what I think is brilliant about that it. Cool. Because, like, each of, I really appreciate the tasteful musicianship of Coldplay. Mm -hmm. um, Smashing Pumpkins, Billy Corgan is the tyrant who does all of that, and you guys play your instruments, you know? Mm -hmm. And, uh... James Eha, other guitar player and girl bass player, whose name I forget at the moment. It's like, um, you guys go get high out there, and I'm just going to record your parts when you're not in the studio because I want it to sound right. Uh -huh. You know, and it's like, it's like that was sort of like the song structure of the Smashing Pumpkins of like, of where he's like, I basically need a drummer because I don't do that, but mm. I I rule this roost. Mm, okay. um, so every band has a different dynamic, yeah. and like sometimes it's not bad. Like a lot of bands don't write as collaboratively as you would think. Hmm. A lot of times it's someone bringing 
a song to the band and then the band just fills in their parts and that's okay and when you look at album backs or credits yeah. you'll see the songwriting splits split that way sometimes to chris martin of coldplay's credit even though that's their process Coldplay has always split up their royalties and their writing credits for each song just as a band, not as individuals. Wow. Yeah. That's cool. Which is cool. Which is not true of Billy Corgan and Smashing Pumpkins. Wow. Which is why they got all pissed off and there was a lot of yeah. infighting and you have one person a lot wealthier. But at the same time, it's like y'all were doing heroin hanging out outside the studio and he's writing all the songs and doing all the recording. So mm. is he wrong? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Is that why you think a lot of uh, kind of bands break up? Is that one thing? Oh, for sure. But Z, if you want to talk about a band of like three musicians who got together and just like totally found like their sound by the three of them with enough different but enough in common and they're just like it was like perfect fit and they're all best friends and like they all contribute. ZZ Top's a great yeah. one. That's cool. But you know and. Fleetwood Mac is a good example of a band where you have a lot of capable musicians and I'm sure some of those songs happen collaboratively. Some of them, you know, are coming from uh, Stevie Nicks, some of them are coming from, oh crap, I forget the, the guy's name, whatever. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, I'm sure everybody in that band is capable of writing a song and contributing so you have a lot of, you know, variation, which I appreciate that too. <laughs> who are you in the writing process like if you're writing with the group what kind of what's you, what role do you tend to take are you more like the reluctant tyrant <laughs> <laughs> um, oh man yeah I, I mean and and part of it is like that's because you love what you do <laughs> yeah i try to i have strong opinions because i feel like i know what i'm doing mm. and i don't know I feel like I'm a fair and balanced person and I try not to get emotionally invested in a song. Yeah. I try to recognize that song and I am never, okay, I know what I want to say. <laughs> Artists are emotional creatures. Mm -hmm. You know me, I'm pretty analytical, but I have an emotive side. Mm. But when I work with artists, I'm dealing with creatures who are often way more emotional than I am, mm -hmm. but I am very aware of that. So I never yeah. go into a song writing process or a song with someone thinking like, this is it. This is the one, oh my God, we had this moment of like divine inspiration. We have, this is the song. It's going to be perfect. We can't tweak or touch it. Or, I'm like, no, I'm like, I feel like this is more a product of our, a process and our experiences. So if something needs to change, okay. If you feel really strongly about this or that changing, explain to me why and I'm good. Mm -hmm. You know? Mm -hmm. Whereas I think sort of if you have two emotion-driven um, artists with each other, no one's going to be able to be like, this is why it should change. They're just going to like talk in sort of general emotional terms and feel strongly about a part and they won't back down. And I don't know. I never, I, I never try to put too much stake into that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if we put together a song and what they said that I didn't think would work, people really respond well to. And I'm like, well, what do I know? Mm -hmm. And that's okay. Mm -hmm. Because I just want to make music. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like I'm the same way, but with film. Right? Yeah. So, and, and if you're creative, I feel like everyone has that. For me, I've always wanted to be conscious of not of the other side, the opposite of what I, how I see things, mm -hmm. so that I can know how to navigate through working with other people. Yeah. Um, and I don't think a lot of people can do that very well. Collaborating's hard. Yeah. You know, hard. like yeah, it, it, that's the bottom line. My main 
issue collaborating with other songwriters um, is that I am much more willing to make a good decision and roll with it. Yeah. Um, of like, this may not be the perfect part, but this is a good part. And let's get this song done. And then we have all this time for once we have the song done to where we could sit and play it for someone, evolve and tweak and perfect it. But let's get it done. Let's make it be a created thing yeah. and not a half-written thing that never exists. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And and some people I work with are like really like, no, it's just the lyrics aren't right. I don't even want to work on it till I figure out that lyric part. I'm like, who cares? Mm-hmm. All the other lyrics are good. This one line, like, let's deal with it later. Yeah. Play it, perform it, feel it. And then once you have it as a thing, maybe that lyric will just stick and you're like, I don't even know why I was worried about that lyric. Mm-hmm. No one ever noticed. Or you'll have, you'll be thinking about it and the song has taken on a new meaning as, you, as you've played it and chewed on it longer and you'll be able to tweak that lyric more easily. Mm-hmm. You know? And I don't know. For, for someone who struggles with completionism, when I'm working with others, I'm extra focused on completionism. Because with yourself, I feel like it's easy to like, be like, well, but I will get to it. Mm-hmm. But with others, I'm very cognizant and aware that like, we could just waste a lot of time here. Let's get yeah. something done. It's much harder to complete something collaborating with others. Yeah. Yeah, because for me, when it's your stuff and you have to make your own and you're not collaborating with others, there's a vulnerability you have to get over. Right, because it's how you want it to be done. And so for me, that's been the thing. So as an artist, for you, when was that moment where you were able to get over that hump of like, now that I've created this and I'm gonna share it, it, I know that that no longer is all mine. Now everyone's gonna interpret how they want and it's not gonna mean the same to them as what it means to me. Did you ever have that? Or were you always like, yeah, I'll just share my stuff like nothing. Yeah, no, um, <laughs> you know me. No, I'm not like, <laughs> I'll just share my stuff, you know? Yeah. Um, I To me, it's less about how people interpret it as it is I know what I'm capable of, and if I don't put forth a at least quality showing of myself to a certain level, I'm not happy. Mm-hmm. Um, like that album I just put out, like, was overly ambitious in some ways and I didn't accomplish a lot of what I wanted in some ways and in some ways I accomplished th- really cool things but it was at all at least of a quality to where I'm like I'm comfortable with someone hearing this you mm-hmm. know what I mean but I'm, I'm not worried about what they think of my lyrics or like how they interpret this or the other or, mm-hmm. or if my message gets across because it's not like I'm trying to convert you you know mm-hmm. I don't care if my message reaches it served an emotional purpose for me mm-hmm. and as long as I'm honest about that that, that's more of my, I guess, to answer your question is, I don't know. I think for, honestly, maybe in the last five years, I've probably had more of that thought of, it's not a, if I'm trying to write for somebody else, I'm probably not going to get my point across. If I write something that is honest to me and coming from me, it seems to reach people and work. From your old work to now, how do you look back at what how you used to make music to now? What's the growth? I'm a better musician. Like, I can play all my instruments or play, you know, guitar and piano, and I'm a better producer. I'm a better singer. Like, I'm, I'm more technically skilled in all of those things mm-hmm. than I was back then. So that is more or less the 
I think I think that inside I said of like it's really more about are you being honest with what you're putting out there. Mm-hmm. When I the crap I go back and listen to, the stuff that might be really rough, but I can hear the honesty and the earnestness in it. Mm-hmm. I'm like that works still. Mm-hmm. You know, it just needs a just needs some you know TLC to like actually sound professional, mm-hmm. but the the core of it is there. Did you ever have like an imposter syndrome moment? Yeah. Yeah. No. Uh, I feel like I'm still there, man. Yeah. <laughs> like doing this, like creative, like I feel like I put my creativity to the side since I left. Uh, I changed my major at, in college. I mean, again, you don't have to go to college to do film and video. Right. But I was there for one year for that. And then I went to massage school. And then I was like, whoa, I like to work with injuries and fitness and health is like so interesting. And I changed. And when that happened for me, I, I don't know what happened, but the creative part of creating something which there's a crea- there's an art to massage and fitness if sure. you, mathematically like all these things you can you can look at it that way but in terms of what music or film or art does it's completely different and i feel like i sort of put that in a box and I'll, because i was sort of afraid to open and have that vulnerability because then it's you know you're exposed right and so when you say those things it's pretty cool that you've gotten to that moment and i feel like i'm getting better at now right yeah. stepping back into creativity but it well, is sort of hard and it just sucks that it takes you to almost 30 to get to that moment yeah, like no. you wish you were one of those people that when you're 17 yes you got it and you just produced you just created work yeah um which everybody i guess comes to, which which is also why uh, uh people who are very productive is because they they have no shame and none of the imposter syndrome, and they don't care what anybody thinks, sometimes good and sometimes bad, or they think they're the shit, and they create a lot of stuff, and what happens is they produce enough to eventually they are, and eventually they can back it up. Mm -hmm. I'm like, good on them. It's like, is that wrong? I don't know. Mm -hmm. But yeah, no, um, the imposter syndrome angle is interesting. I also feel like, and I'm getting that from experience of like, that's been good the last couple years of just being a lot more active of playing with bands and playing live and being around a lot of other musicians and you know just performing and being on stage and seeing what other artists are doing and putting yourself out there and exposing yourself and then communicating with other artists and musicians makes you like oh we're, we're all in the same boat mm-hmm. yes that person is technically better at this particular thing than i am mm-hmm. um over here and that might make me feel insecure well then go home and practice mm-hmm. you know yeah. and guess what when you go out and play that person sees something that you're not even thinking of that you're doing and it makes them feel technically insecure mm, you know yeah it's like you're they're all doing the same thing <laughs> yeah and so just like just go do it yeah who cares which is so easy to say and so much harder to do because yeah. then you get up there in front of a with, with i can if i get up there with a band even if it's me playing my own material if i get up there with a band and a guitar and i have a band behind me i can feel really bold and confident mm-hmm. and then put me with a guitar by myself in front of like five people and i'm like oh you know like yeah. but even that i've gotten over to an extent mm. um what but it's, it's just exposure yeah experience and then it all goes away and you kind of then you can get into sort of the hippy dippy creative performance yeah moment of it the art of performance as opposed to the art of creating music which is very different yeah it is when was that for you when you had that shift where you're it's been like the past couple years of playing live with other people and in bands and then being like even just stupid stuff like sound checking Mm -hmm. of like having to go up with my guitar and the mic and like I'm, you know, I'm guitar player and backup vocalist for this band, but I have to go up here and play and sing so they can hear what my particular part of the mix sounds like. Mm-hmm. Just getting over, like, I don't care. Mm-hmm. 
and just like, I'm going to go up and sing. You know how to do this. You're fine. Mm -hmm. You know, like, no one's... You'll survive. You'll survive. And, like, I don't know. Just have fun with it. It's one of those things where I think if you really want it, it's going to end up happening for you. You're going to find a way to get there. The, The big part to get over is the the emotional part of being able to expose yourself to the process of what it's going to involve. Well, and and I think you said the emotional part, that's huge too, of like, I don't know, like for me, if like I walk out on stage and I'm singing like a love song, I'm like, (laughs) you know me, I'm not like, I'm not mushy, you know, and and I think just in my music in general, I'm not like a, I'm not mushy, I'm not very emotive, Mm -hmm. but the music I write is. Yeah. You know, like the it's very it's dark and like really gives you insight into anxiety and depression and not being happy with where you are, like really wanting something else. A lot of those type of things. That's like all in my music. Mm-hmm. But in my day to day, you're like, hey, Matt, you know, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. you don't feel that. So, yeah, to then go out. That's almost like my least favorite part is like <laughs> when I share my music with people and they're like, oh, my God, I didn't know. Like, is that how you feel? And I'm like, at the time, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. like, I'm okay. <laughs> do you need to talk about something? Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and yeah. people really do that. Yeah, and they, they like, pick it apart. Yeah. And uh, my dad, just the other day, he's like, yeah, I went back and listened to that EP you did, like, five, six years Fold? ago. Unfold, yeah. Yeah, unfold. Um, and, and he's like, that's all about this girl. All of it. He's like, I can hear it. And I'm like. I remember. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. I'm like, I guess it is. Like, wow. Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah. Like, when I listen to it, I don't think of that. But now that I'm that your dad said that, I, I remember that that's what you were talking about. Yeah. And I remember that girl. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, ugh. <laughs> but see, that's what. That's funny you say that because you said you're not that, but I, you are. You're just more. You're more introspective about it, and you have a good way of kind of uh, analyzing your thoughts. And I say that because I deep dive into you. Yeah. I'll tell you later. Because <laughs> okay. okay. it's some good stuff. And, uh, <laughs> and I think you, you sort of do that privately. And I appreciate that. Like for me, I'm trying to be more expressive, you know, because I feel like I was that. But I'm naturally trying to be more active in expressing how I feel about things um, because I like to give people their space, right? So like yeah. 30 years prior, it's always I've been just a good listener and like hearing people. And now I've just realized that I'm naturally more of an expressive person and I need to like lean into it. So whenever you say like, I'm not that way, I do see that in you though. I know that people, there's different types of personalities, right? But I usually can see everyone does it in their own way. And, and yeah. it's still like in your music, of course, it makes sense that it comes out there, right? Yeah. But I think just how, knowing you as a person, I think of you as a whole person rather than like you're just a, like a reserved person that doesn't really as I'm sitting here with my arms crossed <laughs> staring at you them. I know <laughs> that's a defense mechanism I'm just kidding uh, but yeah so so that's why listening to music is is uh, is cool because it may have like you close that chapter after you finish an album or a song and you're like alright like that's why I wrote the song right there, there it is a period yeah yeah yeah. you're either tired of what you used to feel or you're trying to figure out how you can make sense of it and then once it's done you're like Okay, I can sing it. But well, um, then there's that first performance, I guess, right. that, that still kind of lingers in there. Well, and uh, thanks, it goes th- back. Th- thanks, therapist Isaac. Um, <laughs> but uh, well, thank you, thank you for saying that. I'm, you don't see me as just like a closed-off person. I do think no. if you people who talk to me enough, 
they'll recognize that I'm passionate, especially if you get me on yeah. something. So they can see that, yeah. but I'm not reactive. Yeah. To I'm not reactive to, you mm, know. That's and, good. Yeah. That's um, a good thing to be, though. I think so. Yeah, I think so. But it does mean when I do react, I don't always know why or what I'm reacting to. So when something does get under my skin, I don't really understand why. And like you said, I kind of have to... I've explained this to people. I'm like, emotions for me a lot of time are like, why am I sad? Why am I mad? Why did that piss me off so much? I don't know. I'm just having an emotional reaction to something. And I'm going to go ahead and tamp that down. And it's just sort of like a little red flag marker to go check out. What's going on there, buddy? Like, what's going on later? Like, last night... Um, me and Maddie went to Home Depot mm -hmm. and, you know, she, she wasn't feeling great. She hadn't eaten and she was just like uncomfortable, like, cause she hadn't, eat, I don't know. Mm -hmm. Girls she was hangry maybe. Yeah, hangry, a little hangry. It was hangry, but then, it, then she's just like, these pants like don't fit right and we're walking around Home Depot and I'm not comfortable or something. Mm -hmm. um, I probably should have listened to that more. Um, <laughs> but, uh. And, you know, we're talking about, like, different furniture and stuff to build. And she was just, what I felt was she kind of, like, poo-pooed some of my ideas. Mm -hmm. And I got really, like, I, I got, like, too upset. Uh. Like, I felt really, like, like too upset at it. And then, like, we're in the car, and I'm, like, apologizing. I'm, like, I don't know why I got that upset. Mm -hmm. And then I'm, like, so why? And I'm sitting there sort of, like, talking out loud and thinking about it. And she's, like, rolling her eyes. <laughs> and, um... And really, it's because it's like I'm moving in two weeks. Mm -hmm. Like my apartment's completely gone. We're really trying to get rid of all our stuff and save money. Um, we have a lot of stuff that like we want to like build, like tables or like a bed frame or something that like I really am excited to build. And then there's like another project that maybe her parents are going to help out with. And I'm like, all right, if her parents are going to help out, I'm probably going to have a bit of that creative thing ripped away from me a little bit. Mm -hmm. And it, and I like I haven't slept a lot. I haven't eaten a day. I'm like all of these things have combined to where I just had like a moment. A moment. And like and I'm just sort of like tired and stressed out. We're about to move states. Yeah. And I'm like I'm kind of like emotional too. Yeah. I'm like, but I didn't know. Different stressors. Yeah. People don't realize this, how those affect uh, response that right. you're gonna have. Maybe everybody's like I'm saying, or they just react emotionally and they don't why. It's like a yeah. It's like a muscle. You have to kind of exercise it. I think pe most people, like what you said, they just respond emotionally, which is and I get it. Like I totally get it. I think that's how you should live life. But to respond emotionally, <laughs> uh, I don't know. Respond emotionally. Feel like be emotional. Right. In general, but uh, but I think you should probably start with okay. That's not probably what I how I interpret it. Let me break that down. But right. and it might in the beginning it might be hard. It might be a lot of work to have to do. And you're like, oh, you get annoyed, you don't want to do it. But over time, I mean, just like getting better at anything, you end up kind of doing that quickly. And I feel like growing up is part of that because you, you end up you end up kind of zooming out and you're like, life's not just about me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, and there's other perspectives that I have no, like, perspective of that I should take into account. And, like, you did that with her, right? You said she's probably had this, 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 this. And you wouldn't have had that if you didn't take the time to do it and now you were able to make that time period be shorter in the distance between 
the store and the car and you're like i'm sorry exactly mm-hmm. as opposed to like going home in the night being ruined because yeah. we got mad at each other in home depot because <laughs> yeah. she didn't want to look at ply like you know three quarter inch plywood with me yeah <laughs> <laughs> it, like it goes back to like exercise and eating if you're yeah. emotional and moody because you haven't exercised or you haven't eaten mm-hmm. and then you go home because you've eaten like shit and didn't sleep because you stayed up on your phone and you're like a little edgy or mean to your 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 partner because you didn't physically like food sleep take care of yourself me and maddie have had this discussion too Mm. for for both of us of like it is our moral obligation to take physical care of ourselves so we can grow together and be good to one another you know And, and it's like if you perceived like your physical like mental makeup that way of like it is my moral obligation to be a kind person therefore i must do these things to maintain maintain my ability to be that yeah so how did you come to writing this album that you have i heard it and it's good yeah i put on my tv like a like woodsy kind of background yeah like live like just you know and i heard it and that's kind of what came to my mind like driving down the mountains and good it worked (laughs) (laughs) uh and it took me down this you know this journey so what ended up being that idea um no i actually have a pretty good succinct answer for that um you know my mom died like four or five years ago yes or um and then kind of like I didn't take time off like me and my brothers and my dad and I I moved from Dallas in with my dad my mom asked me to Mm -hmm. and I was going to anyway like I'm not gonna leave my dad alone at at that time so I moved back in with my dad and it's like you're living in the house you grew up in you're going to work not far away didn't really take time off to like really process anything just sort of like and kind of you didn't when my mom died didn't really want to just kind of wanted to be numb and kind of just like you're kind of going through a fog living in that state but then also like you're in that and then at a certain point I felt I really felt the fact that I never like sat and processed and rested mm-hmm. and the only place that I felt like good and I felt like I could actually like remember myself and like remember what I felt like is if I get out away from everybody and I get in the mountains and I get out camping and I'm around rivers and out in nature and just like for whatever reason like I felt like that is where I need to go to like be alone be with God and heal and Mm -hmm. that whole album was basically a long like call out to myself to do that Mm -hmm. and, and thinking about that and obsessing over it. So all of those songs are about desiring that, desiring those moments, desiring that rest. When I hear your EP, um, and then now, did you have to go through different, for lack of a better word, genres to find what sound you want to have? Because that, that, when I hear your old stuff and current stuff, it's Matt. Like, I hear it, right? Yeah. But did you, did you intend for that, or did you, that just how you sound? I guess that's just how I sound. Okay. You know, it's like I have yeah. a lot of the, I feel like the the better way to say it is like, well, I do have, I mean, you remember like the hard rock stuff yeah. I was doing, which of course, that's completely different. Yeah. Um, but but I, when I, I hear you, it's that. Oh, really? Stuff. Yeah. What, this stuff? This stuff. Okay, not the hard rock stuff. I hear it, but like, I, this sounds like a complete you. I think that is accurate. I feel like I tried to put together a touching a lot of my influences, very well-rounded to where, like, yeah, it's, like, folky music. It's very Mm -hmm. acoustic-centric in a lot of ways. But, like, 
it, it's not just. Mm-hmm. You hear a lot of other things in there. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I feel like it was well-rounded. And I, I feel like there's ways I could make it more well-rounded. Mm-hmm. But, um, I mean, part of that is being a better producer and a better musician now than I was back then and being able to express sonically what I want to do better. You know what I mean? Yeah. The in, a lot of the influences are the same, but I, I, can, I, I can actually physically do those things I want to do better now. So. Musically, how did you want to make people experience the album? I think like you said, and I've gotten that feedback from a lot of people, of like it takes you on a journey. I've always loved albums that have songs that bleed into each other. And I, I like musical interludes. And I like, I want this very much, I want it very much to be an album that you put on headphones and you kind of like lay down. Mm-hmm. And you can be like, That's what I did. yeah, there you go. <laughs> but like, you lay down and you can be like outside and feel a breeze and like, it just sort of like, it feels like a place, you know, mm-hmm. it feels like a specific space. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I think it actually accomplished that, because the front half is like almost like more straightforward songwriting, the first mm-hmm. few, and then there's that kind of like big musical interlude thing in the middle, yeah. and then that kind of gets you to more of the like, darker half. <laughs> Yeah. In a way. Yeah. Um, Why thematically that way? I don't know. I think thematically that just kind of happened. Oh, okay. But more That's of what, the art creating art thing. I love yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. Thematically that more kind of happened. And like I was paying attention to like what key is the song in and mm. can I grab a note or a melodic line that even though these songs aren't in the same key, they're at least relative to each other so I can drag it into the other one. So there was some of that to consider. Mm-hmm. I think more of what I was worried about was like I don't want to give you like slow song slow song slow song slow song Mm. and I don't want to bore you so I was just trying to put them in a way that made sense I could bleed into each other but kind of at least kept peppering you through different moods Mm. so you stay interested you think about all these things whether or not like it it, it's achieved I I don't know you know or I I, but I thought about it I tried yeah I mean you can sort of make something have meaning afterwards yeah you can if you look hard enough yeah there's not like a um if you're looking for like a lyrical thematic way the songs move through each other like i'm telling like a story or a journey Mm. that way no i I looked at it more as a whole yeah and because sometimes a song doesn't have to kind of lead into the other song right but i've been making playlists Mm -hmm. i finally have spotify and now i make (laughs) playlists and i do them that way where I want to tell a story. Again, that's not like what you do. But I do connect one thing that kind of introduces the next song without even knowing. Yeah. And people probably just listen to it and just know that it's the next song. But for me, I, I think it's fun when you sort of lead someone into that without them realizing it. I remember, um, you know, the Coldplay album Ghost Stories? Yeah, yeah. Which is, that album does a really good job of taking you on a journey and like the songs sort of lining up in a way that like lyrically they're moving you through a range of emotions and that's because he got divorced and was like really depressed and it really starts out with like things breaking down now we're gone now i'm really sad now i'm learning to live and accept without you and then that song sky full of stars which is like like really up is sort of that moment of like acceptance and it, you kind of feel yeah. that in its placement in the album. Yeah. And I'm like, 
it's kind of a cheesy song, yeah. but I love it now because of exactly what it does in context. Yeah. And I explained cool. that to my brother, the very hard rock brother, and he's like, dang it. He's like, he's like, I see what you mean now. It's like, it really does take you and get you to that point. When you view it in that light, like, yeah. you're like, wow, that, now I appreciate what it does. Yeah. Or before it was very, like, dance party cold play. Yeah. And it's like, no, it's this, like, moment of ecstasy or of, like, universal acceptance after he's gone through, like, all the emotions of, like, losing his marriage and everything. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh. Let's dive into some of the songs. You start off with the first song, Casatat. This is this is one of the songs that has a very like this is what the song is about type of thing. And um Casatat is a it's like a river in Arkansas. Yes, I looked it up. Yeah. Um You know uh, what it means? Huh? You know what it means? Like uh, it comes from skull a French crusher word. or something? Yeah. Because yeah. yeah. it well I've been there. Yeah. And, that's um, why I... Yeah, uh but it's it's a bunch of like it may not be limestone, but it's like very like light colored, very jagged rocks. So just the way they break down with the water is like very knife-like. Yeah. So it's a very dangerous river, but yeah. it's really pretty. The song itself is about my dad's family and their youth growing up. Like, and it's, it's basically about my dad's family. No, and like, I think the main lyrics are, uh, see my brothers struggle with the absence of their father and the kind of men they never got to be. And that was about really specific to like when my dad's, my grandpa, my dad's dad passed away and seeing sort of like, not my dad particularly, but some of his brothers kind of be like lost puppies of like, just not really not having that grounding of their dad. So it's like all that, it's just all these little images sort of of them growing up and then like losing their dad. And having seen pictures of that, and my mom, who, you know, I don't have anymore being a part of that when they were all young. Mm -hmm. So that's just kind of the, the predominant image to me, I guess. Don't get me wrong, it all was great. Lately it's like looking at a memory of what it's like to see. To see my brother struggle with the absence of their father and then that leads into the next song, Alone, which I like. Oh, yeah. I like that. That's one of my favorite songs, too. That one was actually one of the ones I wrote kind of at the end. Like it was sort of, it was 
it's alone in days you know which is i think the days is like the last song yeah it's the last one um those are the two i wrote last like i kind of wrote them as i was recording the others like i didn't intend for them to be part of this album but then they just kind of happened and that was basically like i was quitting my job i was finishing out this album and i was about to take off on like a little journey by myself and it's just very straightforward you feel lonely but then you hear people really excited for you and talking to you and really interested still in what you're doing and just to remember even though you're by yourself a lot or you're about to do something by yourself there's people out there that still care about you In the middle, another one that stood out to me was closure. Did yeah. That, was that the transition towards the kind of the, the, the weird sounds? Yeah. The weird half of the album? Yeah, yeah probably. Yeah. yeah, I think so. Put it all on my shoulder. Pay me back when you get sober. Lost it all on a roller. We can laugh when we get older. Mm. I'll stand the crowd again. Mm. Looking inside out. Holding mm. back. Closure is specifically about, um, well, lyrically, that's specifically about growing up and um, kind of like having best friends and then like drifting away from them. And like, I feel like that happens and it's not intentional and, and you feel like you don't have closure, you know, like even if it's just a friend, you know, or, or um, oof, yes. Yeah. And and, and and just like, which really sucks, like, like just like, I, I can, I'm not going to say their name, but I can think of like, which is funny because like, even when I wrote that, I felt like one of my best friends that I've known forever growing up, I felt like I had just kind of like lost him, you know, like we were just at different stages of life and we just drifted and I'm probably not going to run into him. And since then I totally have, you know, and, and he's still up there you know yeah. like one of my best friends yeah and it was just like no i just needed to make the effort oh god yeah i just recently i had that happen recently yeah but i had to uh i wrote out a whole email because <laughs> <laughs> uh, i wasn't really given the opportunity to say kind of anything and i like for me like i said I, we've had this conversation before where i'm like i want to i don't want to have regrets and carry anything with me so no, i'd regrets. rather just at least on my end like be we're still cool you're still a great person and i will do anything right but I need to just let this out and then kind of yeah. have closure on my end. Yeah. You know, for those and, and, you know, and I don't even mean, like, there was no bad blood. Exactly. Like, no. and, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. and for, for being who I'm thinking of, and, I mean, it, that song has taken on different meanings, yeah. you know, for me as, as I've gone through finishing it out. But um, at least initially, like, for that person, it was just like, you're in school, like you're you're getting married, like life is busy. Yeah. You live in a different state. It's like we just don't have the space to cross over as much as we'd like to. Yeah. But that but but you can still miss that person and yeah. and, and, and and feel like you need Yeah. yeah. I think you get it. <laughs> 
Yeah. <laughs> I used to say that I know you. I hope you never think of how grown you. So back to all around. How did uh, explain that process for all around? Um, all around was totally one of those like. I was very much trying to write me and a guitar type of song. And um, I think that song is like very, on the basic level, just like fear of death <laughs> and realizing that um, what we see and what's around us, like the immediate things before you are like such a small part of existence and such a small part of like what's important. Mm -hmm. And just like sitting and like dwelling in that. <laughs> Like that one's that one, I don't know that one's a downer, <laughs> but um, yeah, yeah, but it's yeah. good though. Again, it has that rock feel in it. Yeah, that I hear for sure. Yeah, and it fits really good. Yeah. The song that I really like is probably my favorite is Like a Wave. Oh yeah? Yeah. Yeah. That's probably my favorite one. Um, and there's this line that I'm gonna tell you, I'm gonna read it to you. The trouble's gonna find us all someday. You don't really feel it till it hits you like a wave. Will you be around when I cave? How am I gonna get out now? Making my own way. Yeah. How? What went through your mind when you wrote that? Oh, that's that stood out. Yeah. Well, this is the only song, because people, because again, this is like an album coming off the wake of my mom dying. Yeah. And that is the only song on that album I can be like, that's about my mom. You know, that's about mm -hmm. dealing with the death of my mom. Because mm -hmm. honestly, like, if I tried to write a whole album dealing with the death of my mom, I'd have never gotten through it. Ugh. Like, you can't sit in that yeah. headspace. But that that very specifically is like, when my mom died, um, it's like a ton of your world changes, and I felt, like, emotionally... I mean, you know more of my mom's backstory than anybody... Mm -hmm or a lot of people, anybody's going to, unless I tell them. Yeah. But, you know, it's sort of like, uh, had stage three breast cancer when I was like seven or eight, did chemo, was in remission, came back as stage four when I was like 17, going in, I was, I was young going into college. Mm -hmm. So like I was 17 going into college and it's like, your mom is stage four cancer, it's gonna be terminal. But then she lived and did a bunch of different radiation and different treatments for another eight years until I was 25. So from age 17 to 25, as you're going to college and getting out of college and starting life, you're like, mom could die anytime. We don't know. 
and every year you're sort of like rushing back and forth to the hospital because like shit this might be it you know mm-hmm. and so it's like super high stress for like mm-hmm. eight years mm-hmm. um high anxiety never knowing what's gonna happen and then she finally passed away and um you know you are sort of left with like wow i was really held emotionally captive for like eight formative years there Mm -hmm. i kind of don't i was reacting to everything like in a way i was not prepared for Mm -hmm. just like breaking down super angry crying at puppies like all these like like things of like I, i i don't react this way to anything i don't really know how i'm reacting anymore nothing made sense i didn't it's like suddenly you don't know yourself mm-hmm. and it's so and there's sort of that detached part of you that's like yeah dude i don't know what's going on like this you would not react this way normally i don't really know what's up mm-hmm. and that's the whole trouble's gonna find us awesome day you don't really see it till it hits you like a wave and it's just like when it happens it happens and it's transformative and you got to make your way out. You got to sort of like steadily climb towards sort of healing or acceptance or whatever, and you got to keep moving forward. Yeah. That's that first line. Was that something your mom said in the beginning? No, I mean no. that's that that's me realizing like, you know, when my mom died, like a lot of people, and not a lot of people that you run into every day lose their mom when they're in their early twenties. So all the people, that was that was me kind of like speaking to and realizing like all the people coming to me be like, well, my dad or my parent died. So if you need to talk about it, there were people in like their 50s and 60s mm-hmm. trying to talk to me about their parent dying. And on one hand, you can be bitter, which I was a little bit of be like, you lost your mom when she was 80 mm-hmm. and you're in your 50s or 60s and you she had grandkids and saw your whole life. It's not the same. I don't really want to talk to you. Mm -hmm. Which is true, but on the flip side, it's like, do you think when you're 60 and you lose your mom, it's going to be any easier? Yeah. No. So like, it's it's coming for all of us. You know, like you're you're, we're all going to feel it at some point. Yeah. Speaking for myself, I can only give you help. I can only take you so. The songwriting process for you seems like people who really do it because they love it go about it that way where it's they use these lyrics, right? Or even just how the how you arrange certain instruments together to sort of come from a singular place, but then resonate in different ways for people. And and how you balance that is when you, I think you find the birth of a song. For sure. Right? Yeah. I went, uh, I looked you up. You know, I looked you up and your blog came came up. I don't know if you remember that. My blog? Yeah. I still, ha- that still exists? Yeah, it still exists. Like where I had like Rio talking? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Rio is his dog, but... Um, yeah, and so I looked at the blog post I click on pretty much encompasses everything that I think just what the topic is today, songwriting, mm-hmm. and uh, and then just you as a person. I want to read it to you. 
and see where your mind space goes. You can I read it to you? Okay. Well, th yeah. Th this is something I probably haven't looked at <laughs> since I did it. Like I know, but it's eight great. Years ago. It's really cool. Okay. Like, I wouldn't. I wouldn't like <laughs> embarrass you. All right. It. But if you don't want me to read it, no, but, no you're, um, you're, you're fine. Because it is. It's. It's. You never know what impact you have until someone else says how great of a person you are. I used to write my thoughts out a lot more. Yeah. Like I kind of miss that. I need yeah, to do that. you should. I always say I make more sense when I write things down in person. Doing this podcast, I don't know why I'm doing it because sometimes I feel like I go all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> but I, like you said, in practicing, I'll hopefully end up making sense. But I feel like I make more sense when I write things down because I have journal entries and I think writing stuff down helps you keep an archive of your life like that. Uh, okay, so I guess this is where you talk. It's a strange thing in life to think that you've got everything figured out just to learn quickly that you're completely wrong. The main issue with this is I will get nothing out of it till I write it down, because the trail of logic is not at all simple in my mind. The German philosopher Immanuel Kant believed that in the universe there is a rift between reason and nature, but that this rift is both a blessing and a curse. It is a sort of paradox. We have been made for nature, and nature has been made for us. Nature follows natural laws that have logical, tangible, and quantitative orderly paths that we humans have been given the ability to decipher. This discovery gives us an unmeasured pleasure and even some essence of purpose. However, the tragic half of the story comes into play in the infinite nature of, well, nature. Man has the ability to reason and discover all that is logical, but he can never discover all that is logical because it's infinite. To know that one has the ability to accomplish something, yet never will. This goes beyond a fear of failure. This is a problem of fulfillment. However, Kant is a man who he himself longed for hope, and this gives us at least a little. The joy of a man is to reach for that which he can never attain. Just think of our fascination with superheroes. We long for that which we cannot be. Especially with the connection that to a Christian the goal is to be like Christ, we strive desperately to be that which God already told us we are not and cannot be. My overthinking situations and life in general led me into depression. I saw little point and little hope in the everyday. The point of every man is to procreate, love his family, and stimulate the economy. This is the agenda and the life of every man. But I, as a human, have been instilled with the desire to be more. I have been instilled with the desire to be a superman, to be bigger, stronger, smarter, faster, and be able to accomplish any task set before me. For a while, I felt I could do this. I could be a top student and athlete and musician and intellectual and friend and whatever else I wished because I had the ability to make anything I wanted an ability. Yet experience and life demanded of me that I must choose one thing and make that my ability. When nature says no, you must only be happy in your pursuit of it. So believing in this wisdom, I set out to do so. I chose to focus my life around music as it was the only thing that seemed worth focusing on anymore. I chose to finally shut up, keep my head down, and do what needed to be done. I can think about it once the job is done and I have nothing else to do. This has worked for me for the past few months, but it's starting not to. I have allowed myself to become dull and stupid. My thoughts are only as deep as I am because they focus on nothing else. I've repeated in my mind the phrase power through, 
Shut up and get it done. Get to work. I still believe this is admirable and necessary for me to succeed and prove myself and myself alone. But there is still a problem. I have negated my lack of motivation not by creating a source of motivation, but by ignoring the lack of such a source. I have moved forward by driving on empty, breaking down, and then pushing the car hoping to hit a gas station soon. The fact is I don't see a gas station ahead, and I don't even know if my car runs on gasoline or something else. But I do know this. I cannot deny my brain higher thought. I cannot deny my human self its desire to know all and never be able to. If I were rich and had a happy marriage and wonderful children and close friends, I could easily be miserable if I allowed myself to be okay with it all. Something can always be better. My mom has been telling me for a while that I'm one of those people that always thinks grass is greener on the other side. She couldn't be more right. I long for that which I cannot have. When I have something, it's not as great as I had hoped. Unfortunately, the same thing happens within myself. I seek change in my own character and I am always dissatisfied with the outcome. Once I was more proud and I sought humility and my humility brought me apathy and insecurity. When I was eloquent and intellectual, I sought simplicity and bliss through ignorance. My only conclusion is that I need to strive again to be a superman even though reason tells me I cannot be. If reason has taught me anything as of late, it's that I should ignore it sometimes. In order to be happy, I will allow myself again to be exceptional. In order for my music to thrive, I need to be thinking about something else unrelated. That's just how it works for me. If everything is green on the other side, then I need to be on all sides so that everything may be green. If you read all this, I'm impressed. Matt. Uh, what goes through your mind when you hear that? Um, I could basically sum that up really quickly. It, of like, so much easier now. I'm like, wow, that's a, that's a really long-winded way of saying, yeah, man, you need balance. <laughs> you know? I'm like, but I'm, uh, yeah. But I think that, like, when I read that, and then having this conversation, it's the exercise to have you get there quicker. Because everything that you say there and everything we've talked about is what you've described, right? And then, like, if you were to just to say it in one way, it's you got to keep balance. Yeah. But even a step above that is harmony and figuring out how kind of the flow state of just how you live your life. Yeah. Right? And so it's being able to move that in and out of your life when it needs to instead of keeping them on two separate ends yeah yeah i think you make a good distinction there mm. of having harmony be something that is more harmonious or more in sync and not at odds mm -hmm. um of and and you know i, I think i'm my, my 22 year old me or whatever that is is touching on it there of like it's more each thing feeds the other you know and it's like, it's funny hearing me like work through that like it's an epiphany. Mm -hmm. Because now I'm like, it, it's, it seems obvious to me now. Yeah. Of like, yeah, each aspect of your life basically provides the fuel and motivation for the other. That is like exactly what I'm working on getting good at. I think we talked about this when we had lunch the other day of like getting your diet, sleep, exercise, social life, and like creative life mm -hmm. all in order yeah. to be able to have the kindness and patience and diligence to like be attentive, you know? Yeah. And I'm like, I really want to be one of those people that can like be good at all of them. Do you feel like you're still that grass is always greener type? Person? Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like most people are.
do you still feel that you need to be on outside so that everything stays green? I would say the harmony or the balance is really the takeaway. All, all the things I miss now are things that I felt like I had a lot of opportunity back then to do, which was physical labor, working with my hands, mm-hmm. you know, just because when you're young, oh, that's yeah. typically what your jobs are. Yeah. And so you're, you're sort of like scrambling for all the like intellectual stimulation. Yeah. And I was in school then too, so I was getting a lot of intellectual reading stimulation. Mm-hmm. And right now, I would say the things I'm missing are the working physically with my hands. Mm-hmm. And I'm getting a lot of the math science stimulation, but I'm not getting a lot of the philosophical stimulation. You need some of the like challenging yeah. and like that's I appreciate talking to you because like you, <laughs> you, you like you like you like to do this, too. You like to explore, yeah. you know, and yeah. so like to be able to explore some of those thought processes. Uh, it's interesting. The maternal part of being a parent, there's those moments where they have an understanding that you're going to get there. And there's this hope and this optimism of the resiliency that your child will have or has in, in them, right? Mm-hmm. And I say that because she commented on that. Who, and my mom? Yeah, your mom. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and she says, I have confidence in you, Matt, that you will figure out all this out. And if not, join the club. We are all still trying to figure this thing called life. So it's like, mom. Well, but I basically just did that to myself, too. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. that's called balance, dude. <laughs> like, and, and, right? But yeah. it's like, it, she, like, everyone I feel, especially, like, again, I'm not speaking for parents, has that, you know, optimism when they have a kid, hopefully, that, you know, they're going to figure it out. I mean, you're, it's the fear of, like, God, how am I going to make this a productive person in society? And But when you, like, take away all of those fears, it's pretty much... It's, there's only you're only left with kind of optimistic view at life right where it's like they're gonna make it no matter what trials and tribulations they're gonna go through because i think you're an optimist Isaac. i know unfortunately <laughs> as much as i like the dark and we're all doomed it's, but it's because that's sort of the point of being born no like yeah. you're 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 given an opportunity to sort of do something create and to me, creating is part of, I think everyone should incorporate that into their lives, whatever that means to them. You know, what's the point of life? You know, movement, I think health, like all that stuff. But something that people don't talk about in terms of mental health and their physical health is creating with their hands. Yeah. And whether that be music, uh, painting, uh, working on a car or something, all those yeah. things well, contribute I'm glad, to that. I'm glad you said like working on a car or something because yeah. I don't think everybody has to like no, pick yeah. an art form. No, Although exactly. I do think our education system previously was more balanced in that like um, my dad is fairly artistic. My dad can like draw like really well mm-hmm. and you wouldn't know it yeah. because he took lots of art classes growing up but he's an engineer and you wouldn't you wouldn't know it yeah. and, and he doesn't ever really do it or use it but he can mm-hmm. and I, I feel like I feel like the education system was probably more balanced once upon a time to where like yeah. you learned art and you learned real technical art yeah. and, and it, and, or you, and you, you know, in high school you got to pick which way you went, but like you had a band class that you were in and, and, uh, like, you know, and you, you had to take music class in middle school and you had to at least learn, you yeah. got to pick the trumpet or the trombone or the drums. You got to pick something. Yeah. We're going to get you to at least, a an appreciative level of amateurism in everything. We're going to expose you. And then when you get to high school, you can specialize. Art especially, like technical visual art, I really wish I had like 
And when I took like that watercolor class as an adult, it was like me and like a bunch of like older women, you know, and, and, and I kind of like trusted my instructor and followed that creative process, that very strict process. And it resulted in a good thing for my first thing ever. Like she was complimentary and she was very hard on me because I was like the young man in the class and she didn't seem to like me. Um, but like, she was like impressed for it being my first time i mean when you still when you bring up art it still has the stigma of like you're a burnout you're not you know this but and and what people don't say is like because there's a lot of them yeah i know and 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 it's like being being someone who's been a bit of an you know is an artist has been an artist you know has has made money doing an art Mm -hmm. not a lot but made a at least dipped my toes in the business side of it There are a ton of people who have no business trying to do this. Yeah. And there are a lot of just, there are a lot of just like semi-creative lazy people who are really upset that they haven't been handed a golden opportunity. Yeah. There's a lot of them. Yeah. And it's like, that doesn't mean their art is bad either. It's that, it's having the emotional intelligence that to go through that where you have to look in the mirror and be like, do I have what it takes? Yeah. And am I putting the work into it? Because a lot of people don't do that. And so you have all those people who think that they are, but they're not. And so now I feel like we're in a place where people don't take the time to do that. And so ev- because everything becomes algorithmically. As long as I have that down, then that's it. And that's what this movement with entrepreneurship does, where it's like, you can do it, just figure out how this works, and then that's it. But it's not the, the soul of what you're doing. But there's also a responsibility where like everyone can be artistic, but not everyone's an artist. Right. Same with like athletes, and that's another rabbit hole, but we won't go into that. <laughs> but I'm like, this is a bold statement. There's people who are athletic and they're famous and are good at it, but there's few that are actual athletes. And those are like the Michael Jordans, like the LeBron James, definitely an athlete. Mm-hmm. The people in their team, yes, they're an athlete, but on paper, I just think they're they're just athletic and they've mastered kind of above what everyone else. Well, can and I, I think where you're drawing the difference there is sort of like the physical gifts versus like actually. Yeah, like because they maintained that a, role. A profession, and other people, pro, pro, they won't. Professional athleticism and like you are a professional yeah. taker. You are a professional caretaker of your body and its abilities yeah. as opposed to like you're seven foot and happen to be like pretty springy. Yeah, and, you, and that's enough, yeah. you know. Because a lot and of football really players, for it. yeah, a lot of football players, oh, they've oh. they've only worked for that, and like that's where like, you can sort of call that a version of what an artist would be. Where like a lot of football players, they go to school, they they make it into a team, and then they reach their end, and then now they don't know how to do anything else, you know. Like, and then now you're like, you were athletic, but you were never meant to be an athlete because an athlete thought of things to make sure they have longevity and right. what they what that title no, I, I have the of. lowest opinion of football players amongst all <laughs> professional athletes I know me too. Sure. and they get paid a lot and it's like I get it but there's also you know a lot of football players complain of looking at baseball or basketball yeah and complain about how own. little they get paid on the practice squad I'm like yeah. because there's 60 of you and the only thing you were good at was being bigger than the other kids and you still are and that's enough <laughs> Yeah. Like and and guess what? The the ones that become like defensive line like defensive ends and land monsters yeah. are the guys that have all those gifts you had but they're actually like 
intelligent and work on technique. Yeah. And that makes them like Hall of Famers. You know, and I'm like, that's the only difference. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Tom Brady's. Yeah. I'm like, like investing. The, the, the whole thing to me about like football is I'm like, if a guy is big enough and fast enough, you can stick him on the defensive line and he can be disruptive and useful. Yeah. You can't say that in basketball, no. especially baseball or hockey or soccer. No. None of, even rugby, probably. I don't know. Rugby's probably pretty meatheaded. I don't know. <laughs> but like, I'm like, football's the only sport where I'm like, big, strong man, go. And it, and it actually is somewhat effective yeah. to a high level. Same with art, right? So it, yeah. the people you hear about, the audio, the Soundgarden, like all these, like they, they were able to make a career out of it and maintain that title and justify that. Do you think some artists switch their roles because they've sort of capped? Because then it's a business. Oh, for sure. A business. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I think lots of artists get ruined by labels. You know, the like sophomore slump yeah. With an album is like a big thing. Yeah. And if you think about it, like, pretend you're a band playing gigs. You spend years and years working and perfecting those songs. You finally record them. And that took years. And then it's like, all right, we need another one next year. <laughs> Why do you think that one sucks? We've talked about that before. Yeah. And, and, yeah, and then, so pretend you did that and you actually made a good one. Mm -hmm. And now you're like, well... We don't want to lose what we have. How do we keep what we have? Yeah. So you start trying to find a formula and you become a business. Yeah. That's why I'm always interested with up and coming artists because I like to see their growth and seeing them before they maybe get big and seeing if they're able to maintain it. Because I, uh, I'd like to hear what you think about this, but to me, I feel like uh, whatever artists, right, I, I like their journey that they're going on and then for the most part, at least popular artists, they get a point to where it's very rare where their music then stops being relatable and it's just social uh, commentary. Mm -hmm. So like political, not inadvertently political, but it's like uh, very broad themes. They have songs about okay. causes, you know? Yeah. Like it's not like... I, so I said Beyonce because she did that Lemonade album. And yeah. it's apparently about, so there there was like a role, sure. a relatability. Like, wow, you never write about that stuff. And now you're and writing about it. And that was a big boost for her. Yes, it was. Yeah. And so I feel like. Uh, well, that's why Taylor Swift is successful. Yeah. She's writing about all her boyfriends. Yeah. But there is a level where you're too, it's kind of when you see a movie and, and you're like, I don't see the character anymore. I just see the actor playing it. And I, that's it. Like, it, and then music. Steve Buscemi is Steve Buscemi. <laughs> everywhere. And everywhere. You know? Yeah. And so, the same with music, where it's like, I, can exp I know what to expect from the Katy Perry's, from the U2's, from the Coldplay, to an extent. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's just, it's, again, those years have to pass, because then they're living a different life. It's not a very private one anymore. Yeah. It can be private to an extent, but once you have your work out there, it's sort of, people want to know more about you, and what, what was this, and what was that, and... How did you get to that? And then you end up having a lot of eyes on you and then they see everything you're doing. And yeah, it just I, I feel like a lot of that too is, that's why I also say like, I will call pop stars or pop singers, I will call them, they're not songwriters. They're, they're typically, they're not writing their music. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they have input on the lyrics. A lot of times they literally hire people and then they pick from the litter of the songs and lyrics they like. And then they put together an album with a bunch of producers. Mm -hmm. You know, and so and and they have cr some creative influence over that. 
sometimes the producer is coming in as being like, I want to make an album with you that sounds like this. I'm bringing in a bunch of songwriters who yeah. are in the genre. We're going to do this whole thing. Mm. And like they are, they are a singer. And they're great singers. Yeah. Really powerful, technically awesome singers. Mm. But like, I don't typically give them the ground up songwriting credit that some of them have and some of them don't. Um, That's why I like kind of how you do things because you sort of cut through all the bullshit (laughs) and you're like it's just a song though like i i went through this but it's just a song and i feel like true songwriters acknowledge that uh sia Mm -hmm. is one that writes for other people but she writes for herself as well and how quickly she makes a song i'm like whoa and to her she's like yeah i can make anything you know and it's very nonchalant yeah uh and and I feel like she ex- she's exercised that muscle so much that it just comes to her. And to her, it's just like, it's just a song. For like, sure. I, I'm, I'm sure it's impactful for somebody in their life. But she's like, at the end of the day, this sounded well and this and that. And it just worked. And No, and, and uh, a thing I'm doing a lot when I'm writing mm-hmm. right now of like thinking of choruses. Yeah. Writing generic enough stuff that has a personal meaning to me, but is just like... Putting the right words that are impactful and you can sing along to, in a way. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's it's something simple and it can mean a lot of different things. I know what it means to me. I know the emotion I'm putting into it, you know? Yeah. And that, that, I feel like, is pop music, you know? You can put any meaning behind it, but it, it's broad enough. Um, and when you learn a specific, maybe it deepens it for you. But, mm. yeah, it's... I don't know. That's interesting. That's cool with Sia, though. She's cool. Yeah, I know. She's very cool. I went, like I like to look at people's process and yeah. how they do things because even if they are popular like everyone has a way they kind of process through things no i, I remember what i was gonna say what? um with like artists of like you saying a song is just a song so like if someone is questioning beyonce about a line in a song be like look i told y'all that this song was influenced by this thing that happened in life that doesn't mean that this is a detailed mm-hmm. moment for moment expose <laughs> yeah. of my personal life you yeah, know yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. i took inspiration from a real life thing for a to craft a lyric that doesn't mean this is like true hard fact yes yeah yeah who for you do you think those are the artists that they understand the depth of something and they also at the end of the day are like it's 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 just creating something chris cornell's songwriting is very personal life but you know and you can write from different perspectives just like if you're writing anything or stories you know like you can write from doesn't mean it's a personal experience you can be like trying and i've done that and stuff i've written where i've tried to uh basically imagine a situation and put myself in the perspective of somebody else and write from that viewpoint Mm -hmm. um the song on my album over the years Mm. is sort of (laughs) um It's a little trippy because it, it, like, honestly what that is, is that's the perspective of, imagine you're a tree, like, living on a piece of land that someone's, like, put and grown, and you basically, like, watch the family or that person in the house, like, Mm. take care of you and, like, grow old and die, and, like, everything around you changes, but you're just sort of that, like, constant there and and watching that. Yeah. Um, But, like, and I wrote it, but it's, like, it's... Almost like you said the imposter syndrome. It's like I wrote it, and I wrote it from the perspective of a tree that I'm not. And so I almost like feel like someone else is telling me something, mm. even though I made it. Wow, tree. 
You know, like is that what you go through? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, if people did that, we would be in a better world. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> or it's a really confusing one. <laughs> well, not about trees. Oh, okay. <laughs> not about just in other putting yourself in other people's shoes. Um, the oh yeah, the cover art. Before I forget, how did, did oh, yeah. was that? Did you make that? No, what I did with that is um, had like a portrait picture of myself. Yeah, and then had like. Um, trees and stuff and then uh i got like a light board and that sort of like yeah. did like a trace outline of sort of the portraiture and then i did like watercolors to sort of like give it that dimension and fill it in and then i like in photoshop like did some like layers and stuff and together with it mm. yeah so sort of like three different like photography and then like digital editing. Mixed media. Yeah, mixed media. Yeah. Mixed media. <laughs> it just feels like a collage. Pretty good. Yeah. I feel like if you have some kind of artistic hand, it kind of can carry over to an extent into other arts, to an extent. <laughs> I feel like we talked about the process thing, and I feel like knowing if you're if you have one art, hmm. hopefully you're aware enough to understand there's a process from. Like, I had to work hard to get to where I can actually be productive. So hopefully you have that humility going into another art. <laughs> yeah. You know? <laughs> and understanding you're going to have to, like, learn and, yeah. and, and find the process over there. Yeah. If there was one thing that you want people to see music as, what would it be? And the songwriting process. It could be the same thing or two separate things. I think in all art, everybody should be cognizant that like it's an it is an individual going through a process and that process is flawed and always being improved upon or experimented with so like listening to music as a as more of like a, a transformative thing or listening to it as like this is someone trying to get somewhere not every song is like a complete like finished product in a way you know like it's going to have a life of its own listening to music that way and listening following the career of an artist that way makes it more enjoyable or more disappointing <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you know yeah okay all right well i think I'll, if i ever have like music themes i'm probably gonna call you okay and call you via phone and connect you on here be like all right me explain this matt because yeah. what's going on <laughs> yeah because there's a lot because i wanted to start abroad just to kind of funnel in people into a specific thing and in order to understand that you kind of have to start broad first so music like you said and you define that and then honing in on specific parts of it because you can talk about a lot of things with it it's well and that's the glory of it is it's yeah. infinite you yeah. know yeah. and that's why it's so fun to make because you can do anything yeah. really yeah. and um, within the spectrum that humans can hear <laughs> yeah. and then you want to get real trippy be like what if we make music Ooh. out of what so like music for dogs <laughs> <laughs> all right well thanks for being on matt yeah. i appreciate it we can talk for a long time we could i know we'll continue going yeah <laughs> but but we have a lot enough well we have enough stuff to where i can make a story out of it i'm sure you have plenty to crop out too <laughs> <laughs> I know, yeah yeah i mean that's how it's been so far i wanted to sort of again it's practicing to get better uh although it's hard because sometimes when you're talking you kind of go into one thing and then something comes up and you're like go into that and kind of reel it in you have to kind of bring it back because yeah you know. i mean you want to explore those ideas but I, I think that's part of the fun is just yeah. like 
being along the ride for a conversation. Mm-hmm. That's how you. That's and not, how and not a drunken one. <laughs> yeah. Oh God. Yeah. I remember things more when they are in a conversation uh, format rather than I'm telling you about this and learn about it. Right. <laughs> right. It's hard. All right. Well, do you have a sign off? I've been having everyone have a sign off or like some kind of remark. Do you have any? You might have to have anything. <laughs> Go do stuff. Have fun. Have fun with it. Don't worry about it. Alright. And I mean that for me too. (laughs) Over the years I've been told to be kind. All the music you heard in today's episode comes from Matt's debut album, Where You Got Lost, available on Spotify and all major music platforms. Just search for Matthew Minnick in the search bar and follow him on Instagram at mcminnick for more information. Also, for all updates on the podcast and any future content of The Kilos Project, follow us on Instagram at The Kilos Project. Thank you for listening, and this has been Songwriting Undefined. I've been a burden to my neighbor's roof, but I try to...